Welcome to Stirring the Pot podcast, a podcast all about discussing controversial food subjects, historical aspects of food, and pretty much everything else cooking and food related. Once again, let me introduce my co-hosts. First up, we have Mr. Barbecue Brand, an aficionado of all things barbecue and a recently featured guest on Food Network's Barbecue USA. Welcome, Barbecue Brand. Thank you. Ain't no stopping. What's popping? Let's get it going. <laughs> Second up, we have Mr. Brandon D, a connoisseur of Louisiana and Southern cuisine and a self-proclaimed food science nerd. Welcome, Brandon D. Well, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Let's get it started. I am your host, KCP, a baking and cooking enthusiast and a lover of all Southern culture, history, and cuisine. Tonight's topic covers something we all know and love, steak. We're going to cover all aspects from cuts to finishing sauces. To start us off, why don't we talk about choosing your steak? Oh, choosing your steak. You have to talk about cuts. You have to talk about, you know, the different marbling within the steak. But we can go to the basics, right? Let's say you go to the grocery store. You're looking at all of the meat. It's all overwhelming. You have all of these different names. You want to make sure that you pick something that is uniform in size so that you don't have to do a lot of trimming to it. You don't want a whole lot of scraggly loose ends on your steak. If it's just something that's been butchered really bad, you don't want that. You want something that's been butchered well. You want something that has pretty good marbling in it. It doesn't have to have it. When I talk about marbling, I'm talking about intermuscular fat, you know, the white specks and white white lines you see in your meat. You want to look for that. You also want to look for color of your steak. You know, you don't want your meat to look gray or old. <laughs> you know, you know what that looks like whenever you, you see old section. meat. Some old, right. old meat. You don't want to get that. You want to find something that has, you know, a nice redness to it. And you know, just something that looks good. If it looks good before you cook it, then, you know, if you cook it properly, it's going to look good and taste good when you finish with it. So that, that's the basics choosing a steak. But it gets a little bit different whenever you're looking at different types of steaks too. And you also want to avoid something that's too thin. Too, uh, a thin steak is just going to be very, very hard to cook. Unless you're just talking about the natural thin cuts like skirt or a flank steak where they're just already thin, you know, but you don't want to get anything. You don't want to get any really thin cut ribeyes or, or strip steaks or anything like that. So you want to have a good thickness on your steak. Absolutely. So what are I, the different types, like the cuts? Like what can you, did somebody get like, if you go to the grocery store. Let's talk about the prime cut that everybody wants to talk about first. And that is the ribeye. The ribeye. <laughs> the ribeye is, rib it, it really is one of the best steaks. It's really the steak that people look for when they're, uh, they, they talk steak. Ribeye is usually king. So the ribeye comes from the uh, the rib section of the cow. The cut actually varies from one end to the other. The one will have more cap, one will have less cap. You can have a, a half cut steak, which means they cut the uh, the rib bone in half. And then you have like a full cut steak, which is where they cut pretty much on the bone line, bone to bone, so that uh, you have a re end up with a really thick steak. That's probably like, what, a two inch steak or one and a half inch or close? Yeah, usually steak. about It depends a... on the cow. Yeah, you usually get it from the, uh, just like you said, the rib section. And I believe it's the rib roast that, that's right, really cut right, up. Right. We spoke about this in previous episodes, too. That's a, a really popular area of the cow, um, mm -hmm. even when you're grading cows. Like whenever you see, you know, USDA grades of choice and prime and 
uh, select. You know, they're, they're pulling from that ribeye section. They're grading the, the cow by the ribeye. I guess, you know, we can grade the cow by the ribeye too. With how beef cuts work, you have a, uh, you have a primal cut and then you'll have a subprimal cut and then you'll have your actual cut. The subprimal for ribeye is the ribeye roast. So what you can actually buy in the store, you can actually buy a whole, a whole rack of ribeye and cut it yourself. Yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> I've I've cooked that thing whole before, and it's absolutely delicious. You have to. It is, yeah. You know, it's called a prime I, rib. Yeah, I've I've done a reverse sear on it. If if you don't know what a reverse sear is, is basically uh, cooking your steak or cooking something to an internal temperature the way that you want it, and then after you have gotten the temperature that you want, then you will sear it off. So I've I've done that on a reverse sear, and it was it was absolutely delicious. So, you can yeah, cut it down yeah. and make your rib, your ribeye steaks too on how thick you want it if you purchase that that subprimal cut. If you buy a ribeye rack, unless you have a bone saw, you're doing full cut ribeye, so you'll end up with uh, some pretty thick steaks. But the good thing about a thick steak is it's it's actually really forgiving to cook. You're gonna have the it's gonna be the easy it's easier to cook a thick steak than a thin steak. So yeah, it's kind of counter counterintuitive because it just has a lot more room for you to. Kind of, hey, look, maybe I cooked it a 30 seconds too long on a two-inch ribeye. It's really not going to make a whole lot of difference. So. Oh, no. you got a lot of so, forgiveness there. What I like doing with really big ribeyes is you cook a big ribeye. You don't serve a whole ribeye. You'll cut it up. You'll cut you'll cut the steak up, and you'll actually dish it out as just parts of it. And I think that's a good way to do steak. You don't always have to serve everybody a, a steak. Sometimes it's a good thing for you to cook, let's say, like multiple steaks. You want to cook a ribeye. You want to cook a strip. You want to cook some filet. You cook all these up. You cut them up, and you actually give them – you actually serve different portions you know, a, a portion of each steak so everybody gets kind of like a taste of one because, you know, ribeye's real good, but being married to eating the whole one, maybe, maybe you don't want that for your dinner, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best bite on a, on a ribeye steak to me is what they call the spinalis. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That piece right <laughs> there is just marbled and tender. It's amazing. The next time you look at a ribeye, you see that little piece that just looks a little bit more marble than the rest of the steak? <laughs> then, you know, make sure you get that. We'll, we'll, call, yeah. we'll call that the cook's cut right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the cap. Every time I see somebody trimming steaks and they cut off the cap, my, my, I just, oh. I just like, oh, you just ruined it, man. Like, really? That's like the, that's the best part of the steak. That part and that little fatty end on the end, the little fatty tip on the end of the ribeye. <laughs> Two best parts of it. So it's really one of the best tasting bites on a cow because it's got a lot of marbling. It's really tender and it's got a huge amount of flavor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what would be, if if ribeyes were not available, what would be your second choice? Strip. New York mm. strip is my is, is my uh, is my second favorite. It's also a good choice if you're looking for a steak that's a little less fatty, then a strip is a good choice. A strip is kind of like a balance between the leaner, sirloin and filet and then you have strip is kind of like your middle ground god dang it brandon i really wanted to to uh, contrast you on this episode <laughs> here but i gotta agree with you that strip <laughs> dang man that strip is actually the, the the new york strip is the first steak that i ever learned how to cook probably about i don't know 12 years ago me and my wife decided to do the vip experience for the food and wine festival in austin 
And we rubbed mm -hmm. elbows with a lot of uh, celebrity chefs at the time. And that was one of the things that actually got me cooking. Side note on that. We did a VIP grilling, not barbecue, but a mm -hmm. VIP grilling experience. It was 200 people. Everybody had their own pit. Everybody had their own ice chest. We're shooting tequila at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Tim Love is on Fantastic. stage just... Yeah, yeah. Tim Love is on stage just telling us exactly what to do. We were cooking on lump charcoal and he had us cook that New York strip and he he had us finish the steak on the coals themselves. So we actually took the grates off and put it directly on that natural lump oh, wow. to finish it oh. off. And it was it got really crusty on the outside and like it was, nice. it was oh. till this day the best bite of steak I ever had and I fell in love with New York strip no. ever since. <laughs> yeah, strip, strip is strip is a really good a really good cut. It, it strikes the balance between being fatty and being lean, and that's why I really like it. I also love T bones too. Half of the steak is a strip, and the other half is a fillet. And depending what end it comes from, where you get the really big fillet side, and the uh, that's called a porterhouse. So porter's house has a little bigger fillet on it. T bones that are further down have a little less fillet on. It. So the T-bone is also another great cut. Anything on the bone is going to be awesome. I love uh, I love ribeyes on the bone too. The the cowboy cut ribeye is probably my favorite cut of steak ever. So don't be afraid to cook one on the bone. They they really are fantastic. But uh, yeah, the, yeah. So any, the, any meat on the bone, if you're going to be grilling it, oh yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. You can't beat it because you got no. <laughs> the bone got that flavor. Oh my goodness, just, you know, just nibble around the edges. You know, at, at, at a fancy, people think about this at a, at a, at a high-end steakhouse, they'll be really offended if you don't chew the, the meat off the bone. They're like, they find out, like, why'd you order that? You're just wasting it. Don't try, don't try to be, you, you can't be delicate with that. You just have to go in for it and, and eat it. And it's some of the best yeah. bites on the don't steak. Don't be ashamed. You can take that bone home with you. Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> yeah, like, you sure can take it. Chew on it at the place. You can chew on it at home. Oh yeah, right, don't throw that right. away. Don't 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 leave that no. on the plate. Take that with you and chew on that at home. You know you want that. <laughs> yeah, uh, tomahawks are awesome too. Mm, so what is a I tomahawk? I love a good tomahawk. Uh, tomahawk is is a ribeye steak. Definitely a single cut steak. So when we say single cut, I'm talking. Uh, that means you are you cutting one rib bone. You're cutting in between the rib bones to get a single cut steak. So they're usually really thick. It can be over two inches thick. It's usually a, a bigger ribeye too. Um, you know, cows come in all kinds of sizes. So the processors use certain cows for certain things. If they think it's going to make really big steaks, you know, they they might use those for uh, for making tomahawks. So tomahawks are usually really big. I think they're they're usually small. Man, what? Sometimes Ooh. like sixty ounces or something like that. They're they're big. They're big. Yeah, wow. it's a it's a big steak and. Man, I, I hate when, when food gets popular and it starts to become oh, bad gosh, because yeah. I used to be able <laughs> yeah. to get tomahawks. I love them. I love cooking a good tomahawk, <laughs> but you used to be able to get them for a good price. And now you're paying so much money. And then it weighs a lot because it has a, a very, the very large, mm -hmm. you know, rib bone right. on it. So right. you're paying for part of that bone. You get to nibble on parts of it, but then the other part yeah. is just all bone that's been cleaned up. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess they call it they call that Frenching when you trim the meat off the bone. So you'll have a really long bone. That's oh, what they I call it. Time out. What's that? Did you did you call that Frenching? Yeah. When they okay. scrape scrape the scrape I was the talking meat about sucking bone. on I was talking about like nibbling on that bone and you talking about <laughs> Frenching. I was like I thought somebody else had a name. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is this is a family friendly podcast, so <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
So, they, yeah, it's called Frenching when you scrape the meat off the bone. Uh, tomahawks are great, though. But, yeah, they have got, unfortunately, they've gotten really popular, really expensive. And they do weigh a lot. And it's usually over 48 ounces of meat. That's that's usually the case. So, it's, so it's, it's quite a bit. It's, it's it's usually a shared steak, is what you're uh, saying. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a it's a two person steak. Unless you're if real you, hungry. If you eat, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can eat a whole tomahawk. I don't think you're going to feel very good afterwards. No, no. <laughs> we should ask Adam Richmond about that. Didn't he eat a whole tomahawk or something? Oh like, gosh, yeah, I'm, uh, that guy eat all kind of crazy stuff. Oh probably my gosh. too. Right, probably. So I have another question. What is, I've heard of a Thor's hammer. What exactly is that cut? That's a Thor's beef shank. That's the shank. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. So it's not a steak. No, no, no. no. You would call it. You would call it a steak. It's, oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, they they're serving it in steakhouses now, like they and they're pretending like this didn't used to cost three dollars a pound. That's the funny part. <laughs> beef yeah. shank is beef, beef shank was really popular. They used to just cut them into. Well, you could call them steak pieces, and they would use it for asabuco. So. That's mm -hmm. what it was really popular for, but now people are just smoking beef shanks. I guess yeah. they figured out that was a thing. <laughs> Asabuco yeah. side note is absolutely delicious. If you ever go to it a is, restaurant yeah. <laughs> and you see Asabuco on the menu, just order it. Thank just you later. It. Yeah, just get it. <laughs> I right. think that translates. I think Asabuco translates to on on the bone. Something like mistaken. bone hole or something like that. It's something. It's something kind of funny. Thor's hammers. Thor's hammers are shanks. So those are usually. Um, I've never tried cooking one. Have you tried cooking one, B? No, I I haven't. And and you know what? The reason I haven't is because I hate the fads sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I just. I agree. <laughs> like you know, I, I I appreciate the creativity. I do. I eventually will, but I'm not dying to go find it so i can cook it i saw one in the store and it was like man it was like 60 bucks i was like mm, i don't know about that yeah I, <laughs> selling so it for seen, six dollars a pound so i seen oxtails in the in the store the other day and that's become a, a famous thing to to smoke now is these large cuts of oxtail and oxtail used to be one of those things that were that were very cheap i feel like we could talk about that for any yeah. any cut of oh, meat. That. Oh, oh, Wait, that, that it's so that, expensive. That <laughs> is so a that, that is a future episode of a popular oh, yeah. popular poverty food that has now become expensive. <laughs> yeah, right. so exactly. I'm looking at these oxtails and it was like it was three. It was almost like the Costco ribs. You know how whenever you go to Costco and you get the mm. the three pack of ribs, one mm. one rack of ribs is really good. The other rack is decent. The other rack is terrible. So that's yeah. what these oxtails were. One was really nice size, and then the other two was just kind of, eh, you know. And uh, this pack was like twenty five dollars for these three cuts of oxtail. I was like, no, no, you know, I don't need to. I don't need to jump into the fad and smoke this this bad. But no. now that this brings up a good a good point that we're talking about this poverty food that has become popular because it became trendy, and it actually is a cut of steak, and it is the skirt steak. Mm. which has really increased in price with the popularity of fajitas. And from my opinion, is one of my favorite cuts of steak. And I believe it's somebody's favorite steak here. <laughs> and, and, and skirt steak is fantastic because it has really great flavor, really great mm -hmm. texture. I mean, just one of the best tasting cuts of steak on, on a cow. I think it's so good. Like it has so much to me. It has more of a beefy flavor than other very cuts, beefy steak cuts, and it's easy to cook. <laughs> like it's, it is. It's easy to mess up too, but it's easy to cook. You know, and I, even even with the reverse sear method, 
you can cook. We'll we'll cover that later on in this episode. What that is exactly. Right. But um. Uh, but yeah. So I have a question. I also like flank steak. So what's the difference between those two cuts? Well, I don't know. I can't remember where flank steak is cut from. I flank steak and skirt steak are different cuts. Skirt steak actually comes from the inside of the rib of the cow, and then you have a you have two cuts of skirt steak. You have a with an upper and a lower or something like that. Be I remember. Yeah, one's um, one's a, one's a little better quality. One's a little a little less fatty. One's a little bit more fatty. But they both they both are super beefy. I say the only thing beefier than than skirt steak is probably uh, brisket, uh, ox, uh, beef tongue, and beef cheeks. That's the only the only things that I think that are really beefier than skirt steak. Yeah, skirt steak is, um, I learned this a long time ago. Actually, I learned this at the Food and Wine Festival that I was at, that I was speaking about a little earlier. If you go to a higher end Mexican restaurant, they will serve you, uh, which is the lower, I believe they call it the inside skirt steak. That's which right, is a inside bit, and outside. Yes, the inside. So they'll serve you the inside uh, part of the, the skirt steak, which is a little bit more beefy, a little bit more marbled. A little bit better tasting overall, and then some of you are like, you know, just your taco joints. I'll yeah, just like yeah, something. <laughs> yeah. You know, they 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 have you know basically whatever they can get, like the outside part of the skirt steak. Um, different cuts there, different qualities. Mm. Both pretty good though. Both definitely, really good. I mean, definitely, I there's not nothing. Throw... There's nothing wrong with the the cheaper cut of skirt steak. It is it's 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 fine too, and it actually makes really good tacos. Yep, that's so, that's right. So I wouldn't that's throw it what on the Taco ground. Bell has. No, no. Who knows what Taco Bell has? <laughs> Something. Taco, Taco got the Taco Bell got that parallel universe meat. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's what actually is pretty steak? questionable. <laughs> what is the steak at Taco Bell? <laughs> hey, another way we call that old stuff ass and elbow. You know. <laughs> that's that. Uh, that's that weenus. Yes. You know the yeah. elbow. The love. That's that weenus meat. <laughs> Yeah, we call, we call it we call it we call it ass and elbow A and E. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so there's there's another cut that I'm curious about. Um, like it's not a very popular. Well, these aren't very popular cuts, but the Denver steak and a hanger steak. What are those barbecue brands? So the Denver steak is something that's becoming really popular. I haven't made that yet. I haven't even actually found that in stores. Mm -hmm. As soon as people start getting wind of it, you're gonna start seeing it right. in stores, and it's gonna be you know, $25 a pound for a Denver steak. <laughs> I heard that it's really good. I haven't even had it yet. I've heard that it's really good. Yeah. People really like it. New cuts are being invented every day from the <laughs> right. cow. There's um, a lot of meat on a cow. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's yes. a lot. I, I have actually had Denver steak. Uh, it's really good. It's very beefy. I, I think it comes from the chuck roll. And you have to cut That's it right. out of the, That's right. the chuck roll. And it, it, the only people that really do it are yeah the butcher has to know how to cut a chuck roast because economics with beef are very are very uh it's very tricky because when you cut up a cow when you take like say I get a chuck roll which is going to be your your sub primal and uh, mm -hmm. you're going to cut that in you have the the butcher has to think of the economics of the cuts he makes or what's going to sell so he could he could cut chuck roasts or he could cut you know Denver steaks but if he cuts Denver steaks he may lose some part of the cow that and if people don't know what Denver steaks are, then could he have made more money turning it into ground beef? So that's why I have to say with, when it comes to cows, is economics is very important. Like one cut you never see is beef navel. What? Beef navel is traditionally what they make uh, pastrami out of. It's it's beef belly. 
right? They call mm-hmm. it's called an evil and it beef belly, but it's not a very popular cut of meat because it's really fatty. So they normally just turn it into ground meat. Yeah, you have to know someone to mm-hmm, to get exactly. some of these some of these cuts. You're not just gonna find them because you're right. No, it's not no. economical. It's sort of like right. finding it's sort of like finding really really thick cuts of uh, pork ribs. You, you're right. not gonna. Oh, it's man. hard. It's hard to find because if you have Impossible. really, really thick pork ribs, then you're taking away from your your pork belly. So yep. right. to preserve the belly, they're cutting the ribs <laughs> down. You know, so yeah. it's it's all it's all about economics and what they can sell and and yes. make the best Absolutely. bang for their buck. That is very true. Uh, so what is a hanger steak? Now hanger steak. I've never had hanger steak before, but hanger is a uh, what this was called. They called a butcher's cut. So people, because uh, there's not really many of them on a, on a cow or from when, where you cut it from. So butchers would keep the hanger steaks for themselves. I know it has a uh, connective tissue that runs through the middle of it that you have to kind of like split out. Hanger steaks are supposed to be really tender, very beefy. Uh, it kind of almost looks like a, 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 like a thicker cut of skirt steak. But it's got like the similar look to it. But I've I've never actually had one. I've seen one. I've just never bought it. <laughs> I, I haven't. You'll get a lot of different steaks that are called something else too. Yeah. You know. So. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Especially down south. Right. right. Yeah. Also, a new one, another good one, a new one that's becoming really popular, and I like a lot. And we've had it fairly recently. Is picanha. Picanha is delicious. Now, picanha mm-hmm. is from the sirloin, and yes. it is amazing it's so tender and you have to cook it right don't overcook it don't cook mm-hmm. it to death don't cook it till it's tired just just kind of <laughs> sear that thing off a little bit it's definitely it's a so definitely good. a medi- medium rare steak that's another important part of this cooking this and maybe it's uh is uh is the doneness you're cooking steaks too so not all steaks really work at the same doneness some are better yeah. medium some are better medium rare uh some are better what they call black and blue, which I don't really care for, but because <laughs> I'm not a real fan of cold meat and black and blue is a, blue is a really, what you do black and blue is a really high temperature sear really quick. And you end up with a, a you know, a really hard crust on the outside, but actually a pretty cool middle part of the steak. So. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I don't know about that. I like my food hot. Yeah, it's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and like we were talking about before, you know, some of these cuts just kind of appeared, you know, like mm-hmm. picanha was a cut that was really popular along with tri-tip. Tri-tip is another steak that comes from oh, the sirloin. Yeah. Tri-tip is more of a roast than a steak, but it's, you, you really kind of cook it the same. But, you know, you've seen those cuts a lot in California and they just kind of mm-hmm. make their way down south as it got a little bit more popular. People started to ask for it. I went into a store. And I was watching a video one day years ago and I seen someone cooking a, a tri-tip. I went to my local butcher and I'm like, man, do you have any tri-tips here? And he just looked at me weird. And he's like, mm-hmm. we haven't had that for five years in, in here. He's like, nobody asked for that. And he's like, you're the first person to ask for this in five years. I'm like, well, oh, wow. I want them. So if you can cut that for me, that'd be great. <laughs> right, right. And uh, oh. picanha is real popular in Brazil. Brazilian steakhouses, I think the... That influence too has made picanha a little bit more popular too, because you get it at a Brazilian steakhouse. It's like one of the main the main things that they serve, and it's they actually do a really good job of it. So we didn't talk about filet mignon. Ah, oh, filet, yeah, filet is. I know, I know. I'm just trying to think of things that people will regularly hear. You know, like mm-hmm. when you think about steak, a lot of people, most people, I think, either think ribeye or filet mignon. So. 
As far as tenderness goes, what steak cut is the most tender? Filet mignon is the most tender. Absolutely. It is the most tender. It's not as flavorful of a cut because the cow, the, the muscle is basically one, is the least used muscle on the cow. So on any four-legged animal, you'll have a tenderloin section where that muscle doesn't get used very much. So it's not, it doesn't have a lot of connective tissue. It doesn't get work very much. So it doesn't have a real beefy, it doesn't have a really strong beefy flavor. So if for fillets, I highly recommend, get, fillets is one of those steaks that are actually really worth getting a prime steak in a fillet. You get more flavor out of that. Fillets are really good. Very, very tender cut of meat. Pretty lean too, actually. Not a lot of fat in it. Yeah, the fillet comes from the tenderloin, which is basically going to be along the back. You know, uh, down south, we call it the back strap. But it's basically <laughs> That's a tenderloin. <laughs> You know, it's the beef backstrap is essentially what it is. And it's, it's, it's a very tender cut of, cut of meat, but it's not very marbled. You know, I I would go with a prime as well, B, um, in that, in that cut. Rare too. It's, it's best cooked. It's best cooked rare to medium rare. That's, that's the only, if I order filet, that's the only way I'm ordering it. So is that because it's a leaner cut? It's not as fatty? Correct. There's not, there's not really a whole lot to, to render out. So you don't really get a any benefit from cooking it over medium rare. Gotcha. Yep. And you're like, uh, ribeyes, those you want to order, maybe like a, a medium rare or medium, like to render some of that fat out. I know, I know people will jump all over me on this, but I order, I typically order ribeyes medium because I think it renders the fat out just a little bit more and it kind of breaks down. It, it, if you If you have a little bit more fat on it, I think it takes a little better if you cook it just a little bit more. That's my opinion, but I I agree. I agree because it the the ribeye is just it's so flavorful on its own mm-hmm. and there's so much fat in it. You got to cook it this a little bit more and kind of sear it a little bit harder and it mm-hmm. just creates that crust that is just phenomenal. The outside is going to carry the steak because right. of how flavorful oh, yes. it is, you yes. know, and it, right. so if it's medium, you, you absolutely fine. You don't have to, yeah. you don't have to have a ribeye medium rare. I, I, I don't mm. like my, my ribeyes medium rare. Cause I, yeah. the reason I want a ribeye is for that crust on the outside and how right. fatty it is, but you gotta, mm-hmm. you don't want to get a big chunk of fat when you eat that, that hasn't even been, that hasn't mm-hmm. touched the fire. You know, that's, that has know. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty gross to have. Cause sometimes even a, even a prime ribeye will have a big chunk of fat in it. And it's not good when that fat has barely seen any heat. I won't order any bone-in ribeye medium rare. I'll order it medium because I think that you get more flavor out of it when you cook it when you cook it medium. Yeah. Because of the fat content. Right. So talking about all the steak doneness, this is a, a nice guide to show everyone um, what we're talking about. So at the top, you have the extra rare or the blue, and it shows your temperature on the side, 115 degrees to 120 degrees, and all the way down to extra, extra cooked, well done at 160 plus degrees. That's also, that's also called a crime against humanity. <laughs> that is just never eat a well done steak. Uh-uh. Yeah. I don't know. Some people like it that way. You know, they probably still chewing on it right now. But uh <laughs> you're trying to work out your facial facial muscles. That's the way. Uh, it's trying to build them cheeks up a little bit. <laughs> Jawbone strong, strong. Yeah. You know, if that's the way you like it, that's the way you like it. But here's a good guide to kind of 
gauge the different cuts like we were talking about filet mignon we prefer it like more rare or medium rare versus the ribeye which is we, we prefer it at a, more of a medium and mm -hmm. you can kind of see the doneness and the illustration where the the center is more pink versus, you know, the ones further down, which are all brown. <laughs> mm, that's right. You don't want to, for a ribeye, you don't want to go any further than medium, though. I like it medium, but right. the, Correct. the more you cook it, the, the more, like, chewy it'll become. So, yeah, like, it becomes very is, tough. Yeah. I, I like the 140, the 140 to about 145. I don't like it past that. So, mm -hmm. and for medium rare, I like, I like strip steaks medium rare, but the trick with a strip steak is you have to sear that fat, that edge of fat on it. You don't, don't want to leave that unseared. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're cooking that, you flip it on its edge and you cook that edge of fat and get a nice sear on that too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Don't forget about the sides. <laughs> yeah, don't forget your sides. <laughs> really important for a very thick steak. Right. If you have a, re a really thick steak, it's you definitely want to uh, to cook the sides of your steak. Absolutely, that thick steak. T h i c c c c thick. <laughs> thick. <laughs> Moving on to our next part, we're going to talk about seasoning your steak. So we're going to oh, start is, cooking is, your steak oh. now. So. This, uh, I, I'm going to let barbecue brand have the floor with this one to start. Here's the first rule that I'll give you with seasoning your steak. If you have a nice cut of steak, we are not trying to cover up the steak. We are trying to enhance the flavor of the steak. And we are trying to complement the flavors of the steak. Mm -hmm. We don't want to get rid of the beefiness. We like beefiness. If you're eating steak, <laughs> you got to like beef, right? Correct. Don't get rid of the beefiness. You want to add ingredients that are going to complement your steak. So generous amount of salt, generous amount of pepper. And then from there, it's a little bit of preference. If you want to add some garlic, that's fine. I like some herbs. I love rosemary on my steak. I love mm -hmm. rosemary and beef. I will add some rosemary, maybe not full sprigs of rosemary, but what I may do is rest the rosemary on my steak whenever I flip it or something along those lines. Using some butter on your steak with your rosemary, that kind of thing, giving it a little hint. So I'm a really simple guy when it comes to my steaks because I like buying good cuts of meat. I don't really buy trash that I have to cover up and, and make it taste like something. <laughs> no bad steaks. So... Mm -hmm. What about you, Brandon? Uh, like I say, like Brandon said, all you need is salt and pepper. That's all you need on a good steak is salt, pepper. And and then and, and if that, that is kind of up to you. I mean, rosemary is a good flavor. I like to uh, I like to cook my rosemary in butter and then use that butter to, to base the steak with. I also add other herbs. I'll add, uh, you know, I'll add garlic. Uh, sometimes I'll use if I have it, I'll use a little bit of tarragon. Tarragon's a really good flavor on a steak. But stuff really light herbs, nothing that really, really will overpower it. Mm -hmm. uh, garlic, uh, like I'll, I'll make like a, a butter where I'll, saw, I'll just put like shallots and garlic, you know, and some rosemary, and you know maybe a little bit of thyme, maybe a little bit of tarragon. But usually it's just garlic, rosemary, and thyme are usually my uh, my typical ones. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, there's other things you can use. You can use oregano, but oregano can be pretty potent, so you have to be real careful with it. Oregano has a nice a nice flavor, but overusing on a steak will kind of kind of wipe it out. But you can actually use oregano to kind of tame strong meat flavors that you may not be particularly fond of. That's why I like a, oregano and lamb really go well together because mm -hmm. oregano kind of tames lamb down. But with beef, you don't want to really tame it because the flavor is so the beefy flavor is what you want. So you don't want to tame that down. 
Right. That's right. Right. And you gotta add some crush red pepper too. A little bit of heat on a steak never never oh, hurt yeah. anybody. A little heat ain't nothing wrong with that. But but you wanna avoid what you do wanna avoid is you wanna avoid seasonings that hurt your crust. So that's you wanna avoid paprika, uh any type of cakey seasoning, mm-hmm. uh paprika or cayenne pepper powder is real cakey and it'll stop it'll actually burn in the pan and actually prevent you from making the crust. So you wanna avoid those to add so to add other flavors to steak. This is why I heat up I heat up butter and I put herbs in the butter and I'll heat that up and get the butter a little brown because hey brown butter's king. If it's brown, it's better. So you'll get that flavor that that uh <laughs> chew. Chew. <laughs> yeah, I said it, man. <laughs> so you'll get that you'll get that flavor too. So but that way that way you'll you'll be able to get the flavors. You'll be able to use the, the oils in the sea and the uh herbs and spices. You'll be able to get that into the butter and it'll actually help really tame it down. It'll, especially your rosemary. Rosemary cooked in butter is way tamer than ro- rosemary cooked in uh you know, just adding rosemary sprigs to something. So yeah. that's that's a really it's a really good way to do that because uh herbs have um they have they they have compounds that are water soluble, they have compounds that are fat soluble. They have some of them have compounds that are alcohol soluble too, so the, you can bring different flavors out by using different things. You can use, you know, oil or you can use water. Where using oil brings out tends to tame the flavors down, tends to bring more of the mellow flavors out. Where if you put rosemary in water, you'd really taste like that that real piney taste to it, yeah. rather than kind of like a, a richer taste. So I use that. That's how I add like the herb flavor to my steaks. I use butter. I heat herbs and butter. And that way, I, when I add it to the steak, it'll be a nice tame flavor. And it, uh, it'll also pick off any type of heat flavor. So if you do like crushed red pepper or something like that, it also works. So I, I want to piggyback off of that really quick, too, just to clarify what I said earlier. We want to make sure that we do not use a lot of powder if we're searing mm-hmm. at, a, at a high temperature. Because Correct. that is just going to burn and scorch and it's going to put off. It's going to give you an off flavor to your meat. Mm-hmm. When you're using salt and pepper, we're talking about coarse salt. So use like kosher salt. Um, yeah. you know, sixteen yeah, sixteen mesh black pepper, which is the you know, the coarse ground black pepper. Use those things because that's gonna help to stand up to the heat a little bit better and give you a better crust on your meat. You don't wanna use mm-hmm. powdery substance with high heat. Correct. Or or definitely I know this is just crazy, but I'm just putting it out there. Nothing with like sugar. If like if you have like a, a seasoning blend, and if it has sugar in it, obviously that's gonna burn when you put right, it in the Right, right, right. Especially if you're pan searing. On on if you're grilling, you can you can kinda get away with a little bit of sweet because you're not you don't have that direct contact and you can mm-hmm. control it a little better. Yeah. So that that might mm-hmm. be okay on a grill, but a pan, no, no, but no not sugar. In a pan. No, you yeah, know, that's, the, that's, the fire department going to show up at your house. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> right. You can you can use a little bit of sugar when you're grilling. You can do that. Um, but yeah, if you're pan searing, keep the sugar, keep the sugar off. Right. Yeah. You, you're going to need that, that dish towel to fan at the, <laughs> at the, at the <laughs> yeah. Make sure you turn that vent hood on. But but sugar and beef is uh, is another, you know, a sugar, like, like we say, un poquito, very, very, very little sugar. You don't need a whole lot of sugar on 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 steak, right? Or any really. <laughs> so let's move let's move on to cooking methods for steak. All the different types. Uh, let's start off with let's, We've been talking about searing. Let's talk about the reverse sear. 
and the sear. Let's start sear and then reverse sear. <laughs> well, you always want to sear your steaks, right? We always want to develop that crust. We always want to get that Maillard reaction and get a nice brown on it. And there's different ways to do this. Uh, reverse sear is my is my personal favorite. Now, you can reverse sear on a grill mm -hmm. or you can reverse sear in an oven in a pan. But what it really, or you can reverse sear on a, starting in a smoker. I One of my favorite ways to do it when I have a lot of time is I'll take steaks. I'll actually put them on a little bit of smoke. Get that smoker at about 250, 275, never higher than 275. And then put that those steaks on there and tear that about, like you say, about 140, 140. If it's a ribeye, 140, 145. And then just get a little bit of smoke on them. Take them out. You let them sit for about five to ten minutes. And then you'll just hit it in a pan and sear that. And then you'll get a nice sear on it mm -hmm. because that protein is already warm. So you've knocked the chill out of the protein. So that protein is much, much more prepared for searing. So that way you get a nice hard sear on it. So that's one way to do it. Now, the, the thing I have to say about reverse searing, it's better if your steaks are really thick. Yes. It's, where it's, a, it's a thick yes. steak. It's, if you have a really thin steak, it's not the best method to do because the steak will cook really quick. If you're doing like a really lean steak, lean meat, remember lean meat cooks faster than fatty meat. So you want to have a nice thick steak for reverse searing. That's that's my thing. And that's my favorite. One of my favorite methods is smoker to pan. Now, uh, there's all kinds of way to do reverse sear. Uh, B, uh, B, if you want to talk about that. You I, too, like the, the reverse sear method. Um, if I'm cooking a lot of steaks um, for people, then the reverse sear method can can really work for you. Depends on what you have to cook on. You know, for instance, whenever I'm cooking a tomahawk steak, I like to reverse sear it. Because mm -hmm. I know that, that thing's going to take a little while to get to the internal temperature being right. 60 right. ounces, right? So, right, right. <laughs> right. And tick, tick. Yeah. <laughs> tick, tick. But if you have a thinner steak, you know, you don't want to, you really don't want to cook thin steaks to begin with, first of all. Let's not <laughs> yeah, even, true. let's just go ahead and get that out. We're not talking about cooking thin steaks. We're talking about cooking, you know, inch and a quarter steaks. All right. Yeah. Real, <laughs> real steaks. Real yeah. steaks. Okay. Over an inch is is, is primary. I I personally personally I, the thicker the the thicker the better it is. I think. But yeah, you know, uh, definitely not under an inch. That's just that's just too thick. No. 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 Definitely. It's just not. a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much. I really like cooking steak in a pan. Mm -hmm. I, I really do, do. Even though I'm a grill guy, I love cooking steak in a pan because it's, it gives you way more surface area to work with. You get a lot more just that crust on the entire steak. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who doesn't want more sear, like more, more crust on their steak, right? So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man, if you can control your heat, um, and we haven't even talked about cooking vessels and all of that, but if you can just control your heat and sear it properly, add your little, add your little garlic, little butter, little rosemary in there, kind of mm. infusing that butter and you just kind of baste mm. it. Oh, oh it's yeah. just, yeah. it's just better than a grill to me. It just is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said it. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't want to grill marks. Look, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to say this. You're going to have to bleep it, but f your grill marks. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Means nothing. All that means is you have less sear on your steak than a, se a, a steak that you would actually sear all over. That's all it means. Grill marks are stupid. Uh, and that's not to say you can't get a good sear, a good sear on a, a, a grill. I don't care about grill marks. I, I really don't. This is the stupidest thing ever. Does it look good? I, I guess. But that means I have patches of unseared steak between my seared steak. I, I don't care. So, but but you can't. Now nah, this is not. You can actually get a get a full sear on a grill. 
you have to cook it very hot, like a Weber kettle grill is great for searing steaks. You actually have to move it around a little bit more. So you have to kind of move it to get all the burn on it. So so searing on a grill, you'd actually flip it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Not, not just wearing a pan. You set once, you set the other side, you take it out, you sear the sides, you're done. There's all kinds of methods. I, you know, but it's just you get a different effect from everywhere you cook a steak. So a reverse sear is going to give you a certain effect. Cooking on a grill is going to give you a certain effect. You're going to get that charcoal flavor if you cook over a grill. If you're a real fan of that charcoal flavor, you know, and you want you like it over a grill, that's that's a that's a perfectly great way to cook a steak too. I like that too. So what I used to do is I used to do sear sear oven technique. That was my technique. That gives you a different effect than a reverse sear steak. The another one we have to talk about is sous vide. Sous vide is a great way to cook a steak, mm-hmm. but that's going to give you a, a different texture than a reverse sear steak. Because remember, when we're when we're cooking in an oven, it's an evaporative cooking method, so water is leaving the meat. So when you cook in a sous vide, you're actually cooking below the way below the boiling point. You're cooking at one forty five. You're going to be cooking it in its own juices, so it's going to have a different a different texture. But not a bad texture, just different. So right, a prime rib would probably be a good cut for sous vide. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I def- definitely when I cook prime rib, I oh, definitely yes. use a sous vide because <laughs> it's such a big cut of meat. I can drop my prime rib into my sous vide and cook it at exactly one hundred and thirty-five degrees for, and I can leave it in there for five hours, and it'll never change. So the reason you can do that because the water is not leaving the bag; you're not evaporating water out. The thermal mass of the food remains the same throughout your cooking time because your water is not leaving. So as you as you drive water out, the temperature will start to rise in the food faster as the water leaves. So that's why things go from being done to burnt in a very short a very short period of time. <laughs> so the, for those that do not know what a sous vide is, can y'all explain that to our viewers? Yeah, I was it's just also about called to touch a, on that. yeah. <laughs> it's also called an immersion circulator. That's right. another name for it. Yeah. But so, yeah, you, B, you, you've used it more than I have. So you can you take this lead on this. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I was just going to touch on that. So a sous vide, essentially what we're talking about is you have a vat of water. I like using the word vat lately. I don't know. <laughs> it can be a pot. It can be a tub. It can be anything, right? So you have that filled with water. Not We're not talking about putting food in water. We're talking about taking your food Let's say a steak, okay? So since we're talking about steak, taking your steak, putting inside an airtight bag, whether you get all of the air out of a Ziploc bag or you use your, um, what is it called? The vacuum vacuum sealer. There we go. You use your vacuum sealer, you get all of the air out. You leave a little bit extra of the bag. So you put, you suspend the bag in the water. You clip it to the side or you have it suspended in the water. And then you use your immersion circulator, which is just this device. And that process is called sous vide. You take your immersion circulator, you put that in the water, and that circulates your water at the exact temperature that you want the water to be. And it continues to stay at that temperature and cook your food at that temperature. Science. Exactly. Science. Right. Okay, I just wanted to make sure our viewers knew knew what that yeah. was because it's, it's not like a typical cooking method. Man, I tell you one thing a CV is perfect for is pork chops. Man, oh. <laughs> make you the pork chop genius right there. <laughs> pork chops are my nemesis. <laughs> I have cooked perfect pork chops once. 
Yes. My daughter cooks better pork chops than me. She has medals <laughs> and trophies to prove it. But when it comes to the sous vide, I'm a champion. <laughs> when we'll, we'll, de we'll definitely touch on that subject later. But it yeah. is it's very precise. You can get the steak to exactly the temperature you want. Now, it'll hold it there forever. I mean, what I mean forever, if you keep adding water to the sous vide, it'll hold that temperature forever. Now, if you go too long, you will eventually break down the steak too much and it'll become weird. So it doesn't take long. You know, it, it, it takes only about, I'd say like a couple of hours, you'd be good it, it, just leaving it in there. Restaurants love to use it because they can hold steaks at certain temperatures. They can hold, hey, we know this percentage of customers want medium, this many want rare, and they can hold those steaks at precise temperatures and not worry about overcooking them for service. You can use the sous vide method for a lot of different things. A lot of we, things, a lot of. We, we went to a restaurant uh, here locally that sous vide their chicken before they smoked it. And they made, Smart. they made it that way. I don't know if you remember that. We went there and my wife had the chicken and I asked them how they made it. And they're like, yeah, oh, we just sous vide it and then threw it in the, in the smoker. and. Finish right. it that way. Economical. It's an easy way yes, to, yes. to get pump out food, and that's that's of good quality, you know. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So let let's talk about now. We've cooked our steak. Let's talk about the toppers or the sauces that we can. We talked a little bit about comp, like the butters, making like herb butters and stuff on the side. But when you want to finish your steak, you want to serve it up. What you want to put on it? That What's A one go. Oh, not that Heinz fifty seven. Oh man, oh HP sauce. You know all the all the weird all the weird mystery sauces that are just like what is this made out of? No offense, guys. Those well done steak eaters, they love them sauces because they, they need it. Yeah, you need some moisture. It doesn't. That's the only moisture in their steak is that A one sauce. So that's terrible. You know, what you think? No. Not, the, not the sound effects. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just like, look, look, guys, steak sauce is a crime. A1 sauce, there's actually better uses for A1 sauce mm -hmm. than steak. There really is. It's not that it, yeah, it's not that A1 sauce is bad. It's just bad on steaks because the people that put it on steaks are cooking bad steaks. Don't cook <laughs> bad steaks. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Steaks, sorry. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll say this. Steaks are absolutely one of the easiest things to cook. It really is. It really it's is. And that's, so that's why we wanted to cover that tonight because it, you shouldn't be intimidated by steak. No. I cook steaks. I, you know, I do reverse sear. You know, I'm more of a baking kind of girl. But I mean, it's easy. Anybody can do it, and you can do it, it well. So right. right. That's right, and it and it, more, it impresses it impresses the, the the people to know. And wow, look at this steak is perfect. <laughs> this must be really hard. And like, mm, they're they're much harder things. Oh, to, I'm to, hard. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I can tell you this: cooking a perfect pot of grits is more difficult than cooking a steak. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> big, <laughs> big facts. It's I gotta, mean, you it's can, gotta be because I've been a lot yeah. of places that don't know how to cook grits. No, no. Yo. I went somewhere yeah. yesterday morning and the people didn't know how to cook grits. Just yeah. that recent. Yes, it's it's different it's story for a different day. Salt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they had Don't none. be afraid to they salt had, your food. <laughs> they had this many grams of salt in that in them grits. <laughs> so different steak toppers, like what do y'all like to use? I know we talked about the butter with the rosemary and like infusing different types oh, of the, herbs with oils. Um, what what are some other sauces? Oh, I, the, I will say mine. Mine is chimichurri. Okay, yeah. So 
Chimichurri is good. <laughs> Chimichurri is a mixture of uh, pepper flakes, uh, parsley, garlic, shallots. You sometimes red onion, salt, pepper, oregano, basil, and olive oil. Good olive oil. You have to use a really good olive oil to make Gee. good chimichurri. Now, I have my own take on chimichurri. I'll actually be posting a video where I make my version of chimichurri, which is a little bit different because, of course, I can't do anything original. I have to just go and screw around with it. So, you know, I have to change it to make it <laughs> my own. But uh, it actually uses the same type of principles as, as a regular chimichurri. It's just a little bit different. But chimichurri, just classic chimichurri is... Is really good. Sometimes it may have some cilantro in it, but it's always more parsley than cilantro. Yeah, you never want to substitute the a one to one for cilantro with parsley. It's it's too much. Uh, cilantro is strong. So if you want to use cilantro, you would take maybe like a quarter of amount you use of parsley and add the cilantro to it. Personally, I, I don't care to have my chimichurri with cilantro, so I don't use it. Yeah, we're not making salsa, you know. No, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I like a good cream sauce. With oh, my yeah, steak from yeah. time to time, I actually, I love funky flavors. So we actually put blue cheese on our steak. Oh, that's good too. I that's love a good blue one. cheese. But you want to so use good. a really good blue cheese. You that's have correct. To use a really good... You want to use a, a really good blue cheese. There's a blue cheese that um, I can't think, it may be Grand Reserve or something that I get at Costco. It's a really mm -hmm. creamy blue cheese um, or a good Gorgonzola. Um, mm -hmm. Something, you know, something along those lines. Not Danish blue. That's no. that's it's too strong, too funky. And if you want to try it out, start off with a little bit, you know, a little bit of a little bit of blue cheese on it. So, have you guys ever heard of or used additional proteins to top your steaks with? That can be tricky. You, you definitely can. Uh, there are some, you know, like if you're doing like a surf and turf, some people use like a seafood sauce, seafood based like cream sauce. It's good. I don't, I, you know, it's. I think it's kind of what we would say would be gilding the lily. You're making something. You're trying to stack something. Yeah, you're just trying to stack something. Sometimes you want to be fancy. Right, right. That's true. That's <laughs> sometimes. But a uh, uh, shrimp and steak is a great combination. Uh, that that really goes well together. Scallops and steaks uh, is also good. I usually don't use a lot of proteins because, man, hey, I, I'm not. I'm buying steaks already. I got to buy more meat. You know. Come right. On. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. De but definitely. But uh, another thing that goes a really good. So like side with steak is mushrooms. Yeah. Mm, like yes. a good mushroom sauce is awesome on a steak too. Yep. That kind of yep. gives you that, that little bit of that funky flavor. If you're not a fan of blue cheese, but you want a little bit of kind of earthy flavor, a, a, a mushroom goes really well with a steak. Yeah, absolutely. I make a lobster thermidor, which is essentially mm. a, you know, you take your lobster and then you make your cream sauce on the stove with your, with your lobster, with mushrooms. And, you know, it's a whole show mm. with the flambe and everything, but the sauce that it makes when you're done mm. is just so good with beef. So a lot of times I'll make, if I want to be fancy, I'll make my little mm -hmm. lobster thermidor with a steak. And I'm usually by the, by the end of that steak, I'm dipping that thing in the, in that, in that lobster shell, in that cream sauce. So. Yeah, man, why you know, I never goes, had any. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, you make <laughs> lobster thermidor, we never had that before. We, we, we've been to your house plenty of times, I've never had that. I'm, 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 saying, I'm starting an official complaint. you out there a little bit. Yeah. saying? Oops. Also, also, I know somebody on this podcast was supposed to make a pastrami for me. Oh, that's another story. <laughs> why? Why all? The, why all the men on this podcast in trouble? <laughs> yeah, just saying. But uh, another another good thing uh, to make a sauce. Uh, pan sauces are really good to make. Which basically you do is you'll take your 
the pan you seared the steak in and you'll throw in shallots. And a good thing to use is a demi-gloss. You can make your own or you can buy it in the store. You'll kind of cut that with maybe a little bit of wine and, the, you know, reduce that down with the shallots. And then add a little bit of cream, some black pepper and salt to taste. And that'll make an excellent sauce. So there's yeah. there's all kinds of sauces for steaks. Peppercorn sauce is really good. Uh, wine, I've had wine reductions. Uh, chimichurri is great. Chimichurri is my favorite because it's, it's, it's got such an acidic pop and such a bright flavor. Mm -hmm. Man, it really cuts through a good, a good rich piece of meat. I mean, oh, it really, yeah. really does. I love a good That's chimichurri nice. and it sounds good. Oh, but yeah. I will make a video posting how to make chimichurri because it's so easy. It's one of those things that looks really impressive, but really doesn't take a whole lot of time. And the, the only trick of it is, is you, you have to make it about four, uh, at least four hours in advance. Yeah, because it has, to, it has to refrigerate because when I make chimichurri, the only thing when I taste it, the only thing I really taste for is salt and acidity. Is it salty enough and is the acid cutting through with oil enough? But I won't be able to taste any garlic. I won't be able to taste the chili flakes. I won't be able to taste anything else other than salt, acid, and fat. And that's yeah. it. So it has to sit marinate and come together and comes together in four hours and it's perfect. That's a really good point that you brought up too on uh, showing how to make that chimichurri because I, everybody out there listening in the podcast world, don't be uh, put off by some of the words and some of the phrases and some of the things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, A lot of these things sound very intimidating, but you know, they're, they're easy to make. They're easy to achieve mm -hmm. and you too can be fancy. Yeah. Yes, and if you have <laughs> And if anybody has any requests for recipes, just post it yeah. in the comments below and we can we can work on a video for that. So yeah. we're going to try to do more cooking videos. Please comment. If you want us to cover things, put it in the comments. We always will take suggestions. We want to teach you guys and have a discussion, open discussion about how things work with cooking. We want to have these discussions with you. Right, right. With that being said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Hopefully we've let everybody know that steaks are nothing to be afraid of. And it really is one of the easiest things to cook. And you can impress everybody with it. Hashtag me. <laughs> Peace. Later, guys. Peace.